everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. This is Jason Pace and Jeff Rose. We're here on June the 13th. It's a gorgeous fall summer day, Jeff. Isn't this weird? Uh, This is very unusual for Atlanta. Yeah, it's, our weather has been strange, right? So we went through this heat wave, which right. was which was wild, and we had a week of nothing but downpour, and you know we yeah. are still soggy from that, and yet today is just as gorgeous as it comes. And the whole southeast feels like it's falling, you know, in June. So hope everybody's doing well today. We got a cool episode. Um, this is some of my favorite kind of content you can ever listen to, and that's question and answer stuff, Jeff. And so over the course of 12 episodes, 13 episodes we've got right now, and a few more in the can, we've had the opportunity to interact with our audience, right? Yeah, that's right. Carson and I actually did version one of Q&A episode where I think we we made it through two or three questions, and yet we have more. So today we'll try to get through another two or three. And this is interesting. I really appreciate hearing questions from people that might be listening. Um, because it helps me know what they're wondering, and by the way, it brings it creates some relevancy to the conversation. And it's proof that we actually do read their questions, and we do want to answer them. And so let's tell everybody out there, like, where do you submit questions, Jeff? We have a we, well. Number one, we have told people that they can submit questions via the Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook page isn't as active as I would like. So one very effective way is just to send us questions. It's questions at leadingedsolutions.com. Right, right. And so the the and the Facebook page is also Leading Ed Solutions. It Leading Ed Solutions, okay. correct. So folks, if you're on Facebook, definitely go look that up. Just type that into the search bar on the Facebook app on your mobile device or your computer. Just look up Leading Ed Solutions, and then you can like or follow Jeff's page, and then you can submit questions there or at the email address that uh, Jeff just mentioned, which is questions at leadingedsolutions.com. Right, that's the email. And I will tell you right now, the Facebook page is uh, very new and very raw, so uh, don't, don't, don't go there expecting to be impressed, but I, <laughs> I, I will pay attention to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we're all about content on the podcast, and so uh, let's dive in. We've got three questions we're going to handle today. Um, this The first one's fantastic. Uh, maybe we should have saved it for last, but um, Jeff, this one is, what do you recommend newly appointed leaders do immediately to set themselves up for success? So if somebody is brand new to the, to the job, right? Um, There's so many things you can do. What are some of the things you just, what what are some of your ground rules for how you start something? 
Okay, well, let me first start by prefacing that everyone can relate to this. Yeah. Everyone has transitioned to some degree into a new position, a new responsibility, and there is strategy for that. Mm-hmm. However, my response to this question is going to be specific to the superintendent role. I have transitioned to three different superintendencies over the past 12 years, and I've had to very carefully and meticulously consider strategy. You have to be intentional relative to your entrance strategy. And I'm going to say that, by the way, there's no one way. So my input isn't the way, but um, it's what I've learned. What's what I've learned. So first off, you know, the one thing a leader needs to do is they need to think about their style and their person so that is something i would recommend you don't change right you are asked to be the leader you are asked to be the superintendent of that district for a reason Mm. so don't go in and shift your strategy or try to come in as a new person recognize this is my leadership style embrace it you can constantly be tweaking some of those strategies but embrace who you are and how you lead and you don't have to waver from that and so that's a level of confidence that you need to walk into the position with of this is how i do it right and then know that you're going to make some adjustments and you're going to zig and zag along the way Mm -hmm. my second piece of advice is to consider who you're following there has been a footprint that has been left by that previous leader. Right. And whether that went well or not, it's just important to consider because that's a different strategy. So for example, if you are following a leader that had been there in that position for 10 years, was beloved. Right. Um, made significant, impressive change and actually was part of the fabric of the community. Right. Well. That's a really deep, impressive footprint. Mm -hmm. So I would say your goal is not to try to fill those shoes. Right. Quite the contrary. You acknowledge that leader. You acknowledge the impressive trajectory of the district. And then you create your own footprint. Yep. And so that is one thing to consider. If the leader that is leaving had some rough times while they were in that seat. Yeah. There was some turbulence that caused that leader to leave. And by the way, that often happens Mm -hmm. because it's a very political role. Yeah. Well, then that's a different kind of strategy. Yeah. And by the way, there are pros and cons to each. Sure. You know, if you're following a beloved leader, that's really hard to do. Right. Because the expectations are that you are him or her, and you can't be. Right. So you need to figure out how you create your trust and your cohesion with the community and the district that can't be the same, and that's just difficult to do. The benefit is there's often stability in that district. And so you don't have to start everything from scratch. Right. And so how much acknowledgement would you do? Would you continually do that? But I mean, that doesn't sound right. Would you do it for a little while in an initial thing and then never talk about it? Like, how 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 would you recommend somebody following the footsteps of somebody really, really great? How would you, how would you kind of tie a bow on that and then move on? I would say you're always doing it. You don't move on from that. You always... 
you just lessen it over time. Gotcha. But it's a, kind you, of a fade out. There is a fade out. You right. Need to, you do need to start with um, acknowledging of that leader and yeah. paying a lot of respect to that leader. That's really important to do. Uh-huh. Um, and from the very from the get go, you also tell the community and the colleagues in the district, I am not that leader. Yeah. And I can't be. Right. I am who wow. I am. And this is my strategy. Quite an admission. And I will be different. Yeah. But no, because of the past success due to the past leader. Right. Um, you pay homage to that. Sure. Right? And sure. you just do that actually forever. You just lessen it over time, of if course. that makes sense. I don't think because, you know, to actually sunset that leader, yeah. the dilemma is there are a lot of people very loyal to that person. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, you can't be offended by that. Yeah. Right? You have to just realize that's a good thing. Sure. And then you're going to do the same thing that leader did, but often in just a different way. Right. So all, the alternate situation you mentioned is you're going into a situation where there's been turmoil. What's the What's the short game plan for that? Well, the benefit of that is... Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Correct. Exactly right. I mean, the fact is you can you can come in and sometimes do some very small tweaks and adjustments. Right. And, you know, people just look to that make, like it's, like it's, like it's right. amazing. Make everybody like how, happy. Yeah. I can't believe that you were able to do such a thing in such a short period of time. <laughs> and, by the way, it's probably a very easy task. Sure, sure. So there is benefits. Here's the challenge. There can be a lot of things really, really struggling. Right. And so right. you have to have a lot of discretion relative to what you're going to focus on day to day because there are so many challenges in a district, um, or there can be if the past leadership was not working well. Okay, Jeff. So just to net out one and two, um, the first one is, is recognize you need to embrace your own strategy, your own style. Also, number two was... You know, you're following in somebody's footsteps, either in a positive, you know, a positive leader or a leader who may have left something behind that's that's negative or there's some turmoil. There's different strategies for that. What's number three? Well, number three is not going to be specific to the concept of this is exactly how you plan out your 90, 180 day plan. Right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about are maybe some considerations that they should make. And so consider this as a Venn diagram, kind mm-hmm. of three aspects to this Venn diagram, right? So number one, you need to think about what people say, right? Your goal is to spend some time listening because there is wisdom in the collective perspective from the community. Mm-hmm. So you do need to engage in a process, a formal process on how you're going to listen, how you're going to gather feedback and understand that there's rhythm and nuance to every community and to every district. And your job is to understand that over time so you can serve accordingly. Uh, number two, just know what you believe. You have to be very clear with your convictions. Mm-hmm. Because the dilemma is if you do too much listening, then your job is just to respond to, and that's not what leaders want to do. 
you want to be responsive, but you also have a perspective, have a strategy, and you need to be clear about that, even sometimes as you're listening. Okay, what do you mean by that, though? Give me an example of when, when it says you got to know what you believe in. Sure. And tell me. So, for example, a, a really good leader is a visionary, right? Okay. So a visionary is what? It's someone who can see something in another person or an organization that others can't see. Okay. So if your job as a leader is to be the visionary, you can't just listen. You need to explain what your vision will be, can be, so that people look to you to lead. Otherwise, all you're doing is reacting to people's enthusiasms or concerns. Okay, That's so, not the job. Okay, so just to, be dis- to, to distinguish that, you were talking about your vision, not your convictions. Well, I, I actually, I, I don't see... Often oh. the very same thing. Oh, okay. So how, how would you define con- convictions? What makes you think that I think they're the, so dramatically different? Yeah, so your vision is kind of like your, I don't know, I kind of see the vision thing as your overall, like, here's the big picture of, sure. of what we're trying to do. Your convictions are like, hey, here's my belief on this topic, right? On this topic, on this topic. I don't know. So I would say maybe, maybe this is specific to education. In okay. education, they're very, they're, they're very similar. Oh, okay. So for example, well, okay. if you have a vision that is not tied to what you believe, the core of what you believe around yeah. whether it's kids or schools or the role of education, um, it's it's not going to go very far. Initiatives are one thing. Yeah. So the concept, if you said, you know what my convictions are, yeah. and then you went through a list of initiatives, yeah. well, you're not well, going to keep them very long. You know, I guess I thought about this because you, you, you've acknowledged, and you know, of course all of us realize this is a political position almost. Um, well, it's a, certainly a publicly visible position, Correct. let's say that. Um, and a lot of times people want to know where you stand on something, I guess, is the, is the question I was, I was asking. Um, yeah, it totally makes sense that your, your vision has to be based on your convictions and your beliefs. Right. I just wonder for superintendents, do they feel the pressure of like taking a stand on something like politicians do when they're running for office? Do, do people go, hey, what do you think about testing? And what do you think about all these hot button issues? Does, does that come into play for somebody new? Or? All, all the time. Oh, okay. And, and, th- and that's what I mean. You need to be able to describe if someone were to say what do you think about testing right right you You gotta know you need to have some belief systems relative to testing right 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 and then follow that up with oh and here's how it fits into the overall here's how it fits and by the way this is what i envision and you know you're of course you're listening along the way you won't have all the answers right but you do need to be clear sure you need to be clear with you know, what you believe, your convictions. Right. And by the way, I think that ties into your vision for the district. Cool. Right? Yeah. Um, and then the third is, the third kind of part to this Venn diagram is you have to pay attention to the data and the facts. And, you know, opinions are very important. This is an and, not a but. Opinions and perspectives and what does the data tell you? Because one challenge is mm. people sometimes find comfort in averages. Mm-hmm. So, for example, some districts may either struggle or do really well according to the average datas, data sets. Okay. That's not what you should do as a leader. Your job as a leader is to be able to dissect the data to know what is successful and what is not successful. Mm-hmm. Because resting on averages sometimes writes off thousands of students. If you were to say, wow. for example, our graduation rate, 
is 90%. Right. So 90%, especially for, say, a large district, is really good. Right, right, I mean, right. it's... To get to 90%, especially if you are living in a diverse community with issues of poverty and language and a variety of things that create complexity, Mm -hmm. 90% is amazing. Okay. So if you say, you know what, we've reached 90% and because that's an average and you find comfort, well, hundreds and hundreds of students, by the way, are not graduating. Yeah. The other 10%. But but it's very easy to get to the place where you just rest on the averages. Sure. Your job as a leader is to know how to dissect the data or to ensure that you have people on your staff that do and explain it to you so you know what the holes are because that's your duty as an educator is to know which students are successful and which ones are not and what you can do about it. Got it. Okay. So so I I, lo- I got lost a little bit. This is the third point with three points underneath it. Net out these three points for right. us so under that third I was point. This, yeah, this, <laughs> right. this Venn diagram that you right. have to consider. And, yep. you know, one is what are people saying? Right. So what's the perspective? And you have to be a good listener. Yep. Two, you have to be clear with your convictions and or your vision. We had a little discussion on that. And the third is pay attention to the data. Got Not it. the averages. Right. Look at the, the nuance and the detail of the data and what story it's telling. Cool. Wow. I bet you we could do a whole episode on that. Uh, probably many. Hey, Jeff, between questions, I wanted to just ask you how things are going with Leading Ed Solutions. We actually did a podcast on this. Um, I, you know, we work in the same office, so I've been, you know, I've noticed a lot of activity and a lot of interest around this. How's that going? Tell the folks that are listening what that's all about real quick. So Leading Ed Solutions is a community of superintendents that we are gathering. It's a national community. Um, We are currently recruiting what will be 50 very impressive superintendent leaders. For this year. For this coming year. That's correct. And it is a a year-by-year process because Mm -hmm. we will focus on one problem of practice at a time. We Mm -hmm. have chosen the first problem of practice that this talented group will lean into is student safety, physical and social emotional safety, right? which is um, an ongoing challenge. In fact, it's a growing challenge. And I find the most strategic way of sometimes solving issues is to get the right people around the room with the right conditions, which is what Leading Ed Solutions does. Right, right. It's not just a conference. We do gather a couple of times a year right. to meet and circle up specific to the problem. But we also have this year-long rhythm on how we do webinars and how we keep the community connected, aligned to their initiatives tied to the problem of practice. So it's something we're very excited about right now. Um, we are in the recruiting process, and you know, so far that's going great. We right, have a right. lot of interested superintendents. We are, you know, the challenge is getting the word out so superintendents are aware. But yeah. we are selectively inviting at this point in time, um, and. Those that are interested that have not gotten a specific invitation can also reach out to us and engage. And the most effective strategy to do that is by looking at our website, launching a question. We will be in touch and create a conversation. And so... Right. There's a form on the website they can fill out. That's exactly right. right. It's it's really fast. They they go to join us on the website and they, they fill out a couple of questions. That comes to us and then we engage. And... Currently, I've talked to superintendents, I think, in 
over 23 states just yeah. over the past three weeks. Yeah. And so yeah. that part's very exciting. Awesome. Well, listen, if you're if you're a listener and you know a superintendent or you are a superintendent, go to leadingedsolutions.com and give that a look. Uh, you, you really owe it to yourself and your district or your kids, if you're a parent, listen to this, to share this information. Um, this is important. It's definitely unique. And um, we, yeah, we're just trying to spread the word. So, Jeff, I'm actually just going to read this question. It's, it's pretty provocative. Um, one of our listeners says, One thing you dance around is the responsibility of parents. You reference several authors, articles, and such, but parents play such a key role in successful student education. What is their role? So this is a good question, and to your previous point on the first question, you could do one multiple podcast on just this. Yeah. Right? You yeah. really could. Sure. Um, so I'll do my job in a you know abbreviated period of time to Well, I'm a parent, so I'm an very interested. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can, I can see you looking at me in, intently. All right, so one thing I often have said, a question that I have said in front of large audiences before is I've asked the question, so whose job is it to educate our kids. Mm-hmm. So whose job is that? Mm. And I, I think the reason I bring that question is I think that there is um, a lot of conversation in just that question. Whose job is it? Yeah. So now there's the obvious answers, and I like to let people know there's the obvious answer. Of course it's the teacher's job. Yeah. Right? Of course it's the, it's the staff and colleagues in a school district. It's our job to educate students. Mm-hmm. Right? However, I think the list goes way beyond just the teacher. So I would also argue that the parent, the family, is the first and foremost teacher in a child's life. And by the way, always will be. And For better or for worse. For better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. They just are. It's true. Students are with us in school about six hours a day. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And yes, we may give homework and assignments and projects, but... We have interaction with students six, maybe plus a little bit more hours a day. Mm-hmm. And by the way, how many days a year? Yeah. 180? Yeah. About 180 days a year wow. right, on average. Right. So there's a lot of time where students are not with us. So we can't rely on the teacher, but the teacher is important. Right. Can't just even rely on the parent, but the parent is important. Mm-hmm. My point when I say whose job is it to educate students, it's it's actually everyone's job. Yeah. Right? Whether you have children in school, you have children living with you, if you by the way, you care about the community, if you care, I've said this before, even about your property value, if you care about anything just selfish, mm. you're still gonna have to care about kids to some degree because yeah. They make a dramatic difference in the community and our future. As trite as that may sound, it is accurate. So it's everyone's job. Now, let's talk specifically about the parent. Okay. My um, advice or input here is not um, advice on how to parent because that's just really, really hard work. Yeah. Right? (laughs) So I learn and I'm humbled every single day as a parent. So this is not parenting advice. My input is specific to the role of the parent is as it relates to the interplay with schools, okay. with education. 
Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So um, I just want to preface that. I want to, you know, create some protection I'm ready, for man. myself. I'm like a I, major league I catcher here. I'm waiting. myself wait, yeah, as the expert I'm, on being I'm, a I'm seeing you wind up over there, and I'm ready to catch it. Yeah, okay. Let's go. So here we go. Um, first off, I would say, as a parent, your job is to be as involved as you can. Hmm. And I want to be clear on that, as you can. Because there are some parents that can and should be in a volunteer role every single day and be on the PTA uh, committees, be in charge. We need those parents. But that can't be the expectation. Mm -hmm. It's not right for schools to expect in order for parents to, quote, be involved. Mm -hmm. They need to be in or at the school every day. It's not realistic, nor is it fair. Right? Right. So you be as involved as you can, which could look like a number of things, and I'm going to mention a few of them. Okay. Okay? So, one, we do need parents who can volunteer, who can show up at the doorstep of the school, who can help manage and even lead internally within the school. Thank you, parents who do that. We would not be able to do what we do in schools if it were not for you. We need those parents. Um, And we need parents who can support from afar, which... For example, just parents who know how to turn the TV off at night and have children sit down and do their homework. <laughs> By the way, yeah. that is supportive. So when I say be as supportive, as involved as you can, that is yeah. involvement right there. Good. I do that often. Good. And I will tell you this. In terms of helping students with their homework, you don't even have to know how to do the homework. You, you probably face thing. this oh, yeah. dilemma all the time, Dude, right? The Students come home with math, oh, right? Oh, my gosh. And, hey, by the way, and when, does, when do you start to shift as a parent? Probably like middle school, right? Yep, Seventh, yep. eighth grade. Yeah, when they start. You start yeah. realizing, I don't mm. think I know how to help them. Right. You don't have to. Plus, they've changed it all. Is it helpful? Yes. Right. But, by the way, you don't have to. Families have talked to me and asked the question, um, you know, they struggle with English, mm. right? So... You know, English is their second language, oh, okay. and a recent yeah. second language. Sometimes they will ask, "How how do I help my children with their homework?" Right? I I'm still yeah. learning English. In fact, right. my child is often the tra- our translators. Mm. So mm. you don't have to know. What you have to do is you are involved by turning the TV off. You create a a quiet place in your home, and you say, "By the way, school is important, and so we want to help you." By creating environments so you can be at your best. That is supportive and that is being involved. Yeah. There are different levels of involvement in this spectrum, mm-hmm. but you have to be involved and yeah. you have to support what the school is doing. Sure. So next, parents have to, they have to kind of walk this line on how to be an advocate for their child. Mm. That is their job. Yep. And there's, yeah. this is, it's not a but, it's an and. Yeah. How do they support the school and the teacher at the yep. same time? Right, exactly. And, you know, the way I've often mentioned this to parents when I've met with them, sometimes even when they're really frustrated, I, I ask them if they're the perfect parent. Yeah. Right, and there's not a parent that will say, yes, I'm the perfect parent. Correct. And if there is one out there, then I haven't met them yet. Yeah. Well, teachers, nor is a school perfect. Right. We just, we just can't be. Mm. We do our best and even really, really stellar teachers, they're not perfect. 
And so we need as parents to understand that it's a difficult job being a parent. In fact, what would it be like if people had the opportunity to watch and evaluate and give you feedback as a parent? Mm-hmm. Would that be a tricky place to be? <laughs> right? Can you imagine, yeah. right, if you know, maybe there right. was a group of 30 to 180 people right. constantly wondering, how are you parenting your child? And by the way, I want to make sure I can send you an email to give you feedback on what you're doing right. well, what you're not doing well. Right. Right. Yeah, as I make my random observations. Right. So yeah. a, par- a parent's job is to advocate and find a way to support teachers because being a teacher is also a difficult job, as is being a parent. Mm-hmm. And so trying to have a level of empathy mm-hmm. for one another, teacher to the parent and parent to the teacher, is mm-hmm. really important to the process. Right. So I'm not saying parents just back off, you know, don't worry, the teacher's got this. Mm-hmm. They actually don't always have it, and right. your job as a parent is to advocate and sure. help your sure. child. But in the meantime, find a way to have some level of empathy and understand that the teacher job is also difficult just as being as a parent. And I think sometimes that helps with the relationship. Okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Would you want, would you recommend to the parent err on the side of advocating for their child or letting the teacher do their job? Well, I, I, I can't say it's a side. That's why it's a tricky line. Mm. I don't think you say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to not advocate for my child, but I do think you need to give sometimes the teacher the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because kids will come home and they will tell you certain things. And by the way, it's not always accurate. Right. 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 You will hear certain things in the community about a teacher. Yeah. That's not always accurate. There are, there's information that you just don't know. And sometimes you do need to give the teacher the the benefit of the doubt. See, that's kind of where I fall on it. I think that school is a great place to, for a kid to learn that the world is an imperfect place, that the world, you're going to have to learn to deal with people who are difficult. And usually you learn that in dealing with difficult teachers. You know, you don't want to, I don't think you want to insulate kids from that. Now, Certainly teachers can cross the line, and I've had to do only a few, really, interventions maybe. Or like, hey, I need to sit down with you and get the facts here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, part of I think part of a parent's role is like, hey, there's the world, right? Mm -hmm. Stay in touch. Like you said, like observe. Like stay in touch with them. Check in. But, you know, I don't know. Well, it's a hard line to walk, right? I mean, I think parents, Mm. sometimes they, um, they may be, they may not be involved enough. Right, so yeah. they may not pay attention or have conversation with their kids about school, and I, I do think that that happens for a variety of reasons. Sometimes, let's face it, if they're working two, three jobs, yeah. it's difficult Single to parents. pay attention yeah. to like what's going on in school. And have right. I read every newsletter this week? And am I tracking, you know, the the electronic grade book that I can go online and look and just realize just about every test or homework assignment is now recorded and pushed out to the parents in terms of grades. So you can also be too involved, right? I where, feel too involved. I get about 17 emails every day during the school year of like, here's what happened today. And I'm like, I can't read this. Well, I don't Every. think that you're, you're too involved if you're not reading them, Jason. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> that just means that you're getting them. I think I'm being sucked into being too involved, maybe. <laughs> well, actually, that's, that's the other dilemma is that 
parents can be over-involved, in my opinion. So yeah. if parents are at the place yeah. where they are doing all of the tracking and keeping their thumb on Oof. every single daily detail, which, by the way, parents do get sucked into, I think that that also does a disservice to students because, oh, yeah. you know, it enables them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We enable students sometimes by not letting them fall down. Totally. And you know, falling down is part of the learning process. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Whether that is, you know, missing a homework assignment. Yep, failing or a class. failing a class. <laughs> yeah. That is part right. of the process. But sometimes we as parents become too involved and we won't let kids fail, right? There's yeah. no way under my roof a kid is going to struggle because they are smart, which often they are. It's, that's not the issue. Right, right, right. And so, right. It is a really difficult line to walk. And by the way, we're, we're getting off topic. So let's yeah, let, let me keep going. So here we go. So I'll say, parents, support the school as I was mentioning before. But think about how you support learning. Like how do you, how do you talk just about learning? Mm. And it not always being about what the school is doing well or not doing well, whether you like this teacher or don't like this teacher. Have conversations with your kids about school but about learning. Just have that discussion. I think showing the value for learning makes an impression on kids, which is really what school is about anyway. It's not always about the grade or the class or who you like and who you don't like. It's about what you're learning to prepare you. Mm -hmm. So I would say parents, sometimes pull back, have a conversation just about what kids are learning to try to demonstrate that's what you value. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. That whole that whole topic again, great great topic for a whole podcast. Um, this this last one um, was this a quote? Was this a direct quote, or, or is this sort of a composite of a bunch of people asking the same question? No, this is a composite. So, right. so uh, I think there were three or four questions that were kind of around this area. This, yeah. Is this the the bad news question? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How do you break? How do you how do you break bad news? that's gonna have a big impact on a lot of people. Right, there, there were several questions around this area, yeah. and I also have one uh, specific superintendent that reached out to me recently that uh, was asking for some input or advice because uh, this leader was going to have to communicate to the community, uh, the board, teachers, et cetera, that they were gonna have to make reductions. Mm. Um, and that's, that, that's bad news, that impacts yeah. a lot of people. Right. right. It impacts, obviously, staff that may uh, be laid off, uh, but it also impacts the community as it relates to the loss of teachers or, you know, increases in class size. There's a variety of things that sometimes happen when you have to constantly be adjusting, you know, your budget aligned to your revenue. Mm-hmm. Right? And when that shifts every year, which it does, yeah. um, that's sometimes tricky, especially when there is such a significant impact. So mm-hmm. um, wh- what I'd say is this. You have, to find, um, you have to find the balance on how you are very clear, how you're very honest. You give the details needed, and you also demonstrate some level of hope. Now, I learned about this uh, actually kind of the hard way. Uh, years ago when I was in the Beaverton School District, it was my first year there as a superintendent, we were facing a dramatic budget shortfall. Um, I've mentioned this in a previous yeah. podcast. Yeah. I think it was between 40 and $60 million, and wow. we were going to have to lay off hundreds of people. 
And so the the very first budget meeting I had when we did it, oh, I think six months earlier than the typical year, um, I had a slideshow, and on the first slide it showed this dark picture of a desk resting on the dollar bill. Mm. And I was just trying to be very clear that buckle up because this is going to be very bumpy. Yeah. It is going to be very difficult um, because people need to know the, the facts. Right. right. Um, now, I, am a, I have become a believer in the Stockdale Paradox. I don't know do you, if you know about the Stockdale paradox. Have you heard about that? Is it that? James Stockdale? Does it have relation to him, or is it totally different? It's no, no, no. Oh, it's, okay. it's Jim Stockdale, but maybe. I mean, he, they did write about this in Good to Great. So if you read Good to Great, um, so Admiral Jim Stockdale, yeah, he was okay. one of the highest ranking. Yep. Um, uh, what was he? Highest ranking admiral. Admiral. Yeah, and he was, he, an was he was a prisoner of war. Yeah. Right in yep. the in the Vietnam War, and so he was in prison from. I don't know, like eight years, eight, nine years. Okay. And so, um, and he lived, and a lot of the people he was in prison with, they died. Right. And so I, I, won't, I don't want to butcher the Stockdale par- paradox, but the concept is this. He said, you know, people died from being optimists. Mm-hmm. That's how they died. Mm. Because they would believe, you know, I think I'm going to be freed here by yeah, the end of this day. week. Right. Or maybe by Christmas. Yep. Or yep. I think, and they would have it in their head, mm. and they would hope, have this, just hope, this optimism mm. that they were going to get out of there. Yeah. And they, and they didn't. Right. Right. Day right. after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, they didn't. Right. And he would say, those people kind of died of a broken heart. Yeah. Yeah. So his, his concept, the, the, you know, his mindset. paradox, yeah. his mindset was basically that you can't, you can't confuse faith that you will prevail in the end with the day-to-day hope. So you have to have faith that in the end, the end of the story is going to turn out well. Yeah. But you have to confront the brutal facts of today, yeah. of this week, of right. this month. You have to actually embrace them and realize that they are what they are. Right. Whether that is the serenity prayer for you, however you describe sure. it, you have to know there's certain things you control, certain things you can't control, so you don't lose faith in the end of the story. Yep. But you better be honest about what's happening now. This even, can be yeah. even with yourself. This can be called the entrepreneur's paradox, actually. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. The entrepreneur's paradox. So that, that's that's his concept and so when i read and learned uh about stockdale paradox i started using that and i've used that for years Mm -hmm. of just let's be honest let me tell you the impact it's going to have and let me tell you even if it's going to hurt yeah i mean just be honest it's going to hurt right in fact it's going to be really hard and be prepared for blank right and someday we are going to build our way out of this. Right. And when we do, we will learn things along the way relative to issues of efficiency. We will learn things, and we will one day be even better for it. Mm. But I have to tell you, and I'm sorry, that this is going to be the difficult and negative impact of right now. Yeah. And so I have learned that embracing that Stockdale paradox as it relates to breaking bad news mm-hmm. is really important. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it effective. Got it. Yeah. 
Well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, folks, again, keep your questions coming. Questions at leadingedsolutions.com is the email address you can send them to. Uh, you can also join our Facebook page. Look for Leading Ed Solutions on Facebook and join and like the page and uh, put your questions on there. And Jeff, thanks a lot. This was great, folks. We appreciate you listening to us and uh, go ahead and subscribe and leave feedback and we'll talk to you soon. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.